Welcome into episode 221 of the Source to Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. Source to Say podcast is presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two locations that's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson look forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? Uh, I'm, I'm fantastic. The I guess the better question is, how are you? You've been all over the place for the last week. I have, and uh, I still haven't even gotten home yet. As you can see, I am currently in uh, O'Hare International Airport, where I uh, told you guys before we went live that I was going to look around this place for a quiet setup. Um, that doesn't exist in international airports, apparently. I will, uh, you know, we're going to do this a little bit differently. Uh, we can see the setup uh, right in the middle of everything. Um, so sound issues may be uh, a thing. You may not be able to hear me. Connection may go out. I may need uh, Sean to uh, <laughs> hang in there and, and take over at some point. The, the internet is awful in here, so I'm relying on my LTE to save the day. But, uh, Sean, all things considered, I'm having a great day. Yeah, and uh, that's all that matters. Uh, one one stop to home, right? And uh, hopefully, hopefully back to some winning basketball tomorrow. But we've got a lot to talk about before we get into that. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, my trip out west was successful in every other facet. It was beautiful scenery. Spokane was gorgeous. Uh, went out to uh, the rainforest out, you know, to, I think uh, the Ho HOH rainforest, something I don't even know what it's called. Uh, then the beach on the Pacific coast and went to a couple different things, the Olympic National Forest. Unbelievable. Just really, really beautiful place and drove from there to, so we stayed at Port Angeles, drove all the way over. Uh, to Seattle did a whale watching tour the day before the game and then drove from Seattle over to uh, Spokane for unfortunately a really awful awful performance that we are going to dive into uh, Sean really uh, no major positive takeaways from it just I just didn't think the energy was there I thought the focus wasn't there they did not come out looking to make a statement in a game that I think could have been a pretty impressive statement performance uh, on their part what, what did you think of just you know the energy that they brought out and and uh, uh, how they – it was just really frustrating how they weren't able to, to live up to the moment when it clearly felt like Gonzaga was from from the opening tip. Well, I will say that I think the only thing probably about your two- to three-hour experience in that building was probably your media seat because it was a, it was a solid one. <laughs> I could see yeah. it on TV the entire time. But <laughs> just uh, talking about the lack of energy – in a in a game coming coming off the loss to Michigan State, and I know they had the the win versus South Carolina State kind of sandwiched in between these two games. I just thought the magnitude of this game, the buildup of it from August till now, the fans begging for better out of conference matchups for Kentucky. They go on the road to a neutral site there in Spokane to play Gonzaga, and I just didn't think that the team looked up to par with what they needed to be in a matchup of that level this early in the season. I just I don't think there's any excuse for it. I, I don't want to hear the Oscar Shibway doesn't know the plays or Oscar Shibway's not been able to practice. Like, Oscar's been in this program two years and uh, half a year before that. And if anyone knows what they're doing, it's Oscar. And I'm just – I'm I just don't see any excuse, and I'm not going to buy any excuse. Kentucky wasn't good enough in all areas – and there's no excuse for that. When you're talking about this program and this team being a national championship caliber team, 
they have not delivered to this point. And I think that's the most frustrating part is the the event was built for that moment. I mean, the the crowd was unbelievable. There were there were there were fans camped out the night before, uh, starting at 10 p.m. And then I got there uh, early the next morning. They said that they got there. If they weren't there at 10 p.m., they were there at 7 a.m. It was frigid cold, like. Sean, like 13, 14 degrees outside. They were ready for that moment. That The crowd was unbelievable. Uh, I mean, packed from literally the, the bottom floor. I mean, I don't know if you could see from my media seat, the, the student section was literally oh, touching my back. They kept, they kept hitting the back of my head with their stupid pom-poms and their, the, the towel that they were using. So that part got frustrating, but it was an unbelievable atmosphere. The chants were incredible. They did everything on their end. The team, did, you know, obviously Gonzaga, the, the team did everything that they were supposed to do. Uh, it just wasn't. Uh, you know, Kentucky just didn't live up to their end. And, and it's just really frustrating that how can you go in a, a, against the number two team in the country, that type of environment, that setting, and not live up to that expectation, not be ready, you know, oh. to match the physicality, not be able to match the heart. You know, you're down 12-1 on the glass to start the game, things like that. Like, that, that's all effort. That's 100% effort. Uh, and, and Oscar Sheboy was the only guy that – you know, really showed up for the most most part outside of Case and Wallace. Uh, just it's the heart that that really con- concerns me moving forward. Yeah, it it, it concerned me, and uh, I tweeted at halftime that my fear going into the season was that Oscar they would overuse Oscar, and, and all of it would kind of rely on him. And for the first half, and I mean, he wasn't great by any means. Mm-hmm. But when you look up at halftime and and his numbers, you're like, oh my goodness! If they didn't even if they didn't have Oscar Sheboy on the floor, they're probably down twenty five to thirty at the half and it just it fills this the lack of spacing the lack of attention to detail on the defensive end the no energy uh a half of guys that just could not create their own shot there were a lot of concerns and a lot of uh, things that i'm looking at that i'm kind of trying to step back and say okay don't hit the panic button now but kentucky had two out of conference dates against michigan state <laughs> and gonzaga and they really didn't look good in either one of those. Like, two opportunities just slipped down the drain. Uh, number one seeds matter. We know that. And there's still plenty of basketball to play. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking, and we'll get into that as we go down the rundown, but I'm concerned about where Kentucky is. I mean, they let two opportunities slip them by. I thought that they should have at least gotten one of those, but losing both and then losing in the fashion that they did Sunday night. I think is probably the most disappointing thing because you you thought that this team, with all the experience they have coming back, uh, Kuzi Award finalist at point guard, a reigning national player of the year, uh, C.J. Frederick, Antonio Reeves shooting the basketball, Jacob Toppin's development improvement, you, you thought that they would be better than what they were, especially Sunday night. And the second half was better, but the lack of energy at the start, you, you can't do that against elite teams. And what did you make of what Jacob Toppin had to say after the game? You know, he obviously made headlines for what uh, he talked about, saying that there were guys on this team that just weren't, up, you know, up for the challenge. Uh, you'd never want to hear that, you know, already this early in the season against this type of competition. Players kind of, you know, he put some of it on himself and said, you know, I'm, I'm part of the problem. And, you know, all of us is, you know, an issue with all of us. But for him this early, the second big game of the season, for him to already be saying that there are guys that aren't up for the challenge on this team and, you know, almost pointing fingers, uh, I, I feel like that's not a good tone to set to, to, to open the year. It, it's not. And it's one of those things where, you know, who exactly is he talking about? And he did include himself, you know, in that quote, but, 
you know, who who isn't up to par? Who wasn't up for the challenge this early in the year? I mean, we we know that that Oscar and Oscar's Oscar. We know that Savier's played plenty of college basketball. Antonio Reeves has played plenty of college basketball. Like they have guys. Like I guess the part that concerns me is you you can't hide behind freshman, 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 because this isn't a team that's just stacked with freshmen. We know Casey Wallace has been great to this point. He's done a lot of good, but. This is a team that has plenty of experience, plenty of returning experience at Kentucky, along with veteran experience from the portal. I just don't think there was any excuse for Kentucky to get, to me, ran off the floor on the road in Gonzaga. I just I thought that this team would put up a fight, especially coming off the loss to Michigan State. I thought they'd be re-energized, and that was a long week. You go to Indy, you come back home, you immediately prepare for a home game, and then, boom, you're right back out the door on a flight across the country. I know that that's a lot. But this is a veteran team that should have been better than what they were Sunday night. Yeah, and, you know, to their credit, Cal brought it up and, and said, you know, part of the reason why the energy wasn't there is because they just weren't making shots. Uh, and that's, uh, I think, the well, the name of the game with, with what we saw. Uh, Kentucky finishes 6 for 25 overall from 3, uh, 27 for 69 uh, just uh, overall. Um, you know, they just couldn't buy a basket to start the game. And but, that obviously let a lot of the wind out of their sails. But I, I don't see that as an excuse. You can't do that. You, you can't do that, yeah. right? Like every every coach is going to tell his team what. You can't let offense travel to the defensive end of the floor. And I thought that they did in the first half. I thought Gonzaga was quicker to every loose ball. I thought they were quicker to every rebound. I thought they were quicker in transition. I thought that their attention to detail on the offensive and defensive end was just significantly better than Kentucky. I thought Kentucky got their tails kicked for 20 minutes in every single area of the game. Oscar looked tired. A lot of guys looked out of shape. And I just thought that that was concerning to me. Like, it, it wasn't a good half. Kentucky did make its run in the second half. But then, ultimately, the, the hole that they dug in the first was just too steep to, to climb out of. And, I mean, it, it kind of – you're in a situation now where you you're, have to look yourself in the mirror and be like, okay, where do we go from here? Like, there's not that marquee game on the schedule right now immediately that you can kind of get that shot in the arm and feel good about yourself again. Those are still a couple of weeks away, but Kentucky wasted an entire week of basketball. That's how I see it, and I, I don't think there's any other way to put it. You were there for champions. It was a frustrating way. I think if Oscar doesn't foul out, they probably win that game, so that's frustrating. But then again, this can't be a team, to me, that just goes all in on Oscar Sheboy having to be that dominant force every single moment he's on the floor. If it is, this team's not going to a Final Four. And right and now – and, and yeah. that, that that does concern me because I do feel like it's easy when you have a player of that caliber to kind of put it all on him. The offensive flow, the spacing, the lack of, the, the no rhythm, it is, it's concerning to me because I thought that this team would be built different, especially with shooters like Frederick and Reeves and, and, and things like that. But to me, their, their offense looks just as stagnant as it did against St. Peter's just seven or eight months ago. Well, and did you notice that – I can't remember, it was the second game, but right before the, the Michigan State game, I believe Duquesne, uh, where Cal was asked after the game, you know, about – that was right after Antonio Reeves and C.J. Frederick got so hot shooting the ball and, uh, you know, said, is, is this going to be something that we see even when Oscar comes back? And he goes, no, because uh, he's going to make up a lot of those touches. Then after the Michigan State game, Xavier Wheeler was asked at, at the podium about – you know, the possibility like, hey, do you do you understand that you don't have to just rely solely on Oscar Sheboy? You know, do you feel like you have to put everything on his shoulders? And he kind of got a little snippy about it with it with I think Kyle Tucker was reported that asked. He got a little, you know, snippy saying, well, he's a national player of the year. You know, we're, we're supposed to rely on him. And I thought 
that mindset kind of told the story of this team yeah, right now that they think yeah, they can. think that everything that everything can go in with, with Oscar and, and everything else, else will fix itself. We've now seen that uh, that both of those comments were true, that the offense uh, with C.J. Frederick and, and Antonio Reeves are not the same as it was when Oscar was still in uh, or when Oscar was out. And, and you know, obviously, Savier thought the same thing. Well, realistically, I thought that this was a team that where you would get a better version of Oscar Shibway, a more complete version of Oscar Shibway, but numbers would dip. And I was actually hoping the the numbers would dip just a little bit because then I thought it meant that they would kind of be more well-rounded around him on this roster with some other guys that can do some things and take some pressure off. But right now, this is a team that if they don't have Oscar Shibway on the floor, I don't think they're good enough to beat any good basketball teams. I really don't. Like, that's how I feel about them if he's not on the floor. We saw it down the stretch against Michigan State. Now, that's the case for anyone that has a National Player of the Year. But I just don't – I didn't see enough against good quality basketball teams this week to give me confidence that Kentucky can beat good teams right now. Now, will that change? Absolutely. I think it'll change. I mean, we've we've seen this before uh, last year for sure where they, they struggle early and then they get it going in late December. We know this team's going to improve and it's going to have its moments. But the thing that stood out to me is – this is a team that, as veteran-heavy as it is, they still don't know how they want to play. And even though Oscar is that heavy presence, they still don't know who they want to play through. That's what I saw, is who's the guy that goes and gets a bucket when you need it? Where do you go? Is it the guards? Is it running some some stagger screens? Is it running some things for a guy like C.J. Frederick to get loose or free? Is it Antonio Reeves? Just, I thought guys just didn't look comfortable and honestly – I thought Kentucky had good looks at the basket in the first half, and guys were just so sped up that they looked a step too quick, if that makes sense. Like, they just didn't look in rhythm and in sync at all. Well, and it's a sad Okay, I think we're we're losing Jack there, so uh, hopefully, hopefully we get him back up here. Uh, if you if you want, let's start running some questions. If you have some questions until Jack gets back up here, and then we'll move through and, and talk about the Oscar Shibway and Drew Timmy matchup. But the the thing that that just stood out to me about this game, and I'll answer questions as they pop up, is I was excited to see Kentucky and Gonzaga this early in the season uh, go at it, and I just don't think that that Kentucky fans or even myself included, I, I think we were all kind of disappointed that. How I don't I don't feel like at any point in that game, even when Kentucky was making its run the second half, I was like, Kentucky's not going to be good enough to win this game on this night. I do think the the one thing that I would take away as a positive is I did see some fight in the second half from this team. And now Jack's back up here. But have I got you back, Jack? So I think I got a phone call in the middle of it. So I think that's well, what ruined it. Was it wasn't even the crappy signal that time. I was jumping straight into questions. I was like, let's talk about it. And I said, because I wanted your thoughts on the Oscar-Drew Timmy matchup. But I, I did say this when you kind of went away there for a moment, that I I do think that I saw some fight in the second half. I thought that they they tried to fight back, but it was just too steep. Like the, you 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 dug too steep of a hole to, to get out of. And uh, I do think that that was a positive takeaway for a moment there as Kentucky did have a run in it in itself, but it wasn't you just cannot do that against teams of that caliber. And I think a big part of that is Cason Wallace. That's a guy that I learned a lot from uh, this week in particular against Michigan state and Gonzaga. I think he's a guy that you can lean on 
he's going to take a lot of that pressure off of you defensively. He's going to, you know, make some highlight plays. I thought the one that he dove for that loose ball uh, in the middle of that run where he kind of ripped it from Nolan Hickman and it led to a transition bucket the, the other way. Uh, I think those type of plays are game-changing plays, and that's what Casey Wallace is capable of. Uh, and, Sean, it makes – it leads – the question, for me at least, you know, how much do you just kind of, you know, throw everything out you know, Cal saying the offense doesn't look right right now, the plays, they can't run plays correctly, all that. How much of that can you just say, you know what, we know that Oscar is a guarantee and we know that Casey Wallace is starting to become a guarantee on this team. Yeah. How much are, how much do you just say, screw it, we need to throw out the game plan that we have right now and see if, if Casey is the guy, at least when, when things go south like they did uh, against Michigan State and, and Gonzaga? I think you got to scrap the offensive game plan to this point. You, you've got to do something different. Like, the, this isn't – the way Kentucky runs offense, it's not going to be good enough to beat the the elite teams in college basketball. It's not. And it's it's all centered around Oscar Shibway winning a lot of one-on-ones, especially on the offensive glass and, and things like that. And you got to run some stuff for these shooters. I, I want to see C.J. Frederick actually getting some screens and trying to get him looks. And what that does, Jack, is when you got a shooter that caliber running off, you know, stagger screens and, you know, some floppy action on the baseline, if Kentucky gets into that stuff, like at least you're making it to a point to where you're having defenses be put in a situation to where they have to communicate, have to talk. Maybe you get some switches, you get some breakdowns, some slips, some post opportunities, some stuff like that. I just think that they need to be running some things for those guys to get them loose and maybe you don't get the three-point shot out of it, but you get something else out of looking to get and create shots. Like, I think Kentucky's offense is kind of built a lot on guards getting downhill and beating people off the bounce. And right now, I think the, these guys are struggling to do that, struggling to create their own. And Kentucky needs some guys to separate themselves and have a guy with the ball in their hands that can go get a basket, create one for someone else. I do think that is turning into Case and Wallace. I think that he's going to be – by the time we get to late, mid to late December, I think that Kaysen's going to be the guy in the backcourt. I really do. I think that that's going to be the guy we're all talking about on the offensive end, on the defensive end. Uh, but this is a team that I think scrap whatever you tried offensively for the last week and you move on to someone else. This is a this is a coach in John Calipari that said that this team needs to be scoring 80-plus points a game. You're not going to do it playing at the pace Kentucky plays at in the half court. And I thought that there were a lot of possessions, especially in the first half the other night, Kentucky runs its false motion just to get into a middle ball screen with 12 seconds to go on the shot clock and the ball never crossed inside the three point line. That that's not good basketball by any means. And and I do want to ask you as we kind of transition a little bit into the matchup between Oscar and, and Drew Timmy, um, Cal kind of called out Oscar a little bit, said that he doesn't have the plays down that he's, you know, a little behind in that regard because he's been out and that, that things are kind of wacky whenever he's on, on the floor uh, and said that he had to go away from him in the dribble drive and kind of run the dribble drive around him. What, what, did, what was your take on, you know, Cal kind of calling out Oscar really the only consistent on this team right now, uh, who's, you, you know, is going to put up star numbers, calling him out and kind of saying that, everything worked better in that second half when, you know, they, they didn't run things for Oscar. What, what new plays are we talking about? I guess that's my question. You know, like what, what's significantly different about what Kentucky does right now than what's, than what has been there since Oscar's been on campus. Like I just, I don't, I don't know. And maybe it was more of a, not the plays itself, but maybe the timing of some things. Maybe that is what he's talking about. or just kind of being in sync and in rhythm with some guys on the floor. But look, Oscar was the reason that they had a shot to win to me at any point. 
And I mean, when you put up the numbers in both of the last two games, in in both both of the last two games, you win the game against Michigan State. I think if Oscar's on the floor down the stretch, I I really do. But there's some things like the the defense, and we've not even got to talk about. I haven't got to talk about the Michigan State loss, but the defensive breakdown there on the out of bounds situation, like Kentucky always helps off with the on ball defender, and you get beat with a slip to the rim. The, the one area you're trying to protect and guard. Like, I just – I think that that's stuff that, regardless of who's been in practice and who hasn't been in practice, that doesn't happen and it shouldn't happen. Like, there were just mistakes down the stretch of that close game that a veteran team doesn't make. And then I thought that Sunday night there were just uh, – it didn't matter if Kentucky had executed a lot of things perfectly. They didn't have the energy to win that game Sunday. And I also thought that, you know, on the flip side, Drew Timmy as you know, I think he's brilliant. I think he really showed the value that he brings to the table is, you know, if he's not the best player in college basketball, because Oscar is that guy, he clearly proved that, you know, he was the second best. Uh, I thought he was just brilliant. I thought Gonzaga ran a lot of stuff that, you know, that taking advantage of the miscues that Kentucky had and the lack of effort, you know, you saw Drew Timmy, you know, grab rebounds at 6'10", 240 pounds or whatever he is, you know, 6'9", whatever he is, uh, you know, grab rebounds and go full court you know run point forward almost and look to capitalize on those mismatches and things like that I mean I I thought between those two the numbers were almost identical between Oscar and 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 Drew Timmy but I I really didn't think it was close I thought uh, I thought Drew got the upper hand in that matchup uh, and I thought the entire you know the the score was what it was I mean so it's hard to nitpick individual you know positional breakdowns of who was better than who Gonzaga was better at every position but uh, man I, I just thought when when Drew Timmy you know, was on the floor and executing the way that, that he does. I thought that was basketball to perfection. He was he was phenomenal. Yeah, and Kentucky was trying its best early to run some double teams, get the ball out of his hands. I know one of them came from Chris Livingston at one point, but, I mean, Timmy's really good. Like, he's, he's really efficient in all areas offensively, and I, I thought he set the tone. And he's, he's a guy he celebrates after every single play, after every single basket, which can uh, be frustrating to watch, I guess. But – Hey, he lived up to it. And that was the, I think that was what was the most disappointing thing is I was wanting a close game down the stretch with the reigning national player of the year and another guy who could be a national player of the year this year, Andrew Timmy, going at it with two teams that look like Final Four contenders. And uh, I mean, look, Gonzaga got their tails kicked last week too. And they answered the bell in a building that was full of a lot of juice. Kentucky did not answer the bell. And that's concerning. That I think that's the concerning part about it is Kentucky didn't respond the way Gonzaga responded to their loss. Now I know, like I said, Kentucky had a win in between, but the win against South Carolina State doesn't didn't make you feel any better about Tuesday night's loss in the Champions Classic, did it? Like you didn't leave or whoever. I know you weren't there, but I'm sure no. when you went to bed Thursday night after they beat South Carolina State, it didn't make you feel any better about how Tuesday night played out. It it literally didn't make me think anything. It didn't make me no. feel anything. It was it was the most to uh, me. It was just that oh, we have yeah. a game here to talk about in the middle of these other two games. That's that's all I yeah. thought of it. And I guess what what I should ask now, going just a little bit back to the shooting struggles with with Antonio Reeves and CJ Frederick, that's clearly something that that Cal was relying on. You know, both of those guys stepping up and being the shooting and scoring threats that they are. Now back to back performances where they have they have not been able to live up to that billing. Uh, are you concerned that they're going to be kind of stat stuffers against the South Carolina States of the world, or will they be able to step up? Well, I, th- I think a lot of it too is the games where they've played well are games that there wasn't a ton of pressure on them to kind of have to get into what they want to do. 
against good teams, there's not been easy offense for Kentucky. Michigan State wasn't easy to score. Gonzaga wasn't easy to score. And I think that that puts a ton of stress, and those guys have to knock down shots. That's where I'm coming from. Maybe you set some stuff up and you you get into your offense sooner and you look to go to those guys and play through some action to get them and, and run some – I mean, you got to hit some guys, right? Like you've got to set some screens to get C.J. Frederick looks. You've If not, you've got to depend on Xavier Wheeler and Casey Wallace to be able to beat their man and make somebody help and, and kick out to these shooters. But this is a team that I still think is going to be very good. They're going to be fine. But right now, I just don't have confidence in them beating anyone that's good until they get some of these things figured out. And that's just being honest and to the point. But they need C.J. Frederick. They need Antonio Reeves. They need those two guys making shots. They need at least one of them making shots in a game. If both of those guys are not shooting the ball well, it could be a very long night for Kentucky. And we, we've seen that. And I guess that's my concern is this week was, you know, you of all people on this show are the first one to talk about quad one wins, talking about tournament resume and, and how important those games are. You know, you had back-to-back opportunities to build a, a really strong resume with that Louisville Regional with so many, you know, so many reasons why you want to be a one seed in this tournament especially. And to, to have these two opportunities and not get either of them. Uh, and then you look at the, the, the future schedule, North Florida tomorrow, Bellarmine uh, a week from then, and then Michigan and, and London, which, you know, they're fine. But that's not going to be, I think, at the end of the season, going to be a, a resume-building win that, you know, it's going to be a game-changer on Selection Sunday than Yale, than you. you UCLA is playing better, but they just had an ugly loss against Illinois. It just felt, it just felt like that was a prime opportunity to rack up those quality wins and, and you really make a statement early about who they are and their identity, and they, I think they blew it. To get at least one of them, I thought that was – to me, I thought that was the goal for the week was to win one. I mean, it's a it's a tall – I mean, we know that was going to be a tall task to go out there and, and win that game in that environment, but I was confident that they would get the one on a neutral floor in Indy against Michigan State. I really did. And to lose both those opportunities, and yeah, I'm the guy that's all about quad ones, and we know when those first net rankings come out here in a few weeks, we're going to look back and, and break it all down, and both of those will be quad one losses. But you got to have some quad one wins to show for as well. And it's like, this is the team, you mentioned the London trip here coming up and and stuff. Uh, it's a team that's going to travel everywhere, but what's it going to have to show for? It's it's been all the way out west. It's about to go to London. It's going to go to New York City in mid January, and then jump into SEC play. We know the Louisville game is not going to be a, a good win. Like that that one's going to be that one's probably going to be on the lower end of the the quad when it comes to to resume building. That that South Carolina State game, which they had one of the worst Ken Palm rankings in, in all of college basketball, that might end up being a better win than what Louisville's going to be. So, they, just, they, they had thirteen it, points at halftime today, and it is a missed opportunity. It's missed opportunities that when it comes down to Selection Sunday, it separates you from being a four seed or a three seed and a four seed or a two seed and a one seed. And seeding matters. I, I don't care. Like, I, I think seeding matters. I mean, more importantly, how you're playing in March matters. But at the same time, you don't want to be put into a matchup that's not favorable for you just based off of maybe you let one or two slip away early in the season. And I just thought if this had been a team that wasn't kind of chock full of veterans – I probably wouldn't be as negative right now as what I'm being. But this is a team that returned the national reigning national player of the year. Yes, he is coming off a minor procedure, but looked incredible, I thought, at times against Michigan State. I mean, right as soon as he checked in, he's right on the offensive glass. He's a double-double machine, a double-double Sunday. I don't think that Kentucky's issues are all about Oscar Shibway, but I think some of Kentucky's issues may be they don't know how to play 
right now. And I'm afraid that having Oscar, you look at a guy like that and say, okay, he'll bail us out at times. You cannot look at Oscar Sheboy as the bailout guy. If you do, Kentucky's going to lose in the first week in the NCAA tournament again. That's that's what I'm afraid of. You, you've got to develop something else and have an identity about yourself offensively that's not just him winning the offensive glass or using his energy and effort to get you garbage buckets. You've got to find another way or someone else to play through, but still play through him as well. And the other thing about him that's kind of been off to me, late in the game against Michigan State, he had some pretty bad decisions and possessions, a, a questionable shot that I'm like, what are you doing? Like, this isn't the Oscar that I saw at times last year. Is that rhythm from coming back from the procedure? I don't know. Like, that didn't affect his decision-making is all I'm trying to say. And I thought he took a really bad shot in a critical moment in that game. Uh, but, I mean, it's easy to, to kind of to hammer some things. But then again, you got to come back and say that if they didn't have him Sunday, they're probably getting beat by 30. So, and I, this team will be fine, Jack. I do think that it will be a good basketball team. I do think that when it comes down to it, I think they'll be a top team in college basketball, but they took a hard fall in the poll for a good reason. They they didn't show up this week. They dropped 11 spots, and there's nothing to really make them climb for a couple of weeks. So where's this team when we look up here in mid-December? Hopefully it's not somewhere between 22 and 23 in the, in the AP poll. Hopefully it's a team that's hovering around the top 10 with some opportunities to kind of climb their way back up because we do know that seeding matters in the NCAA tournament. As I try to uh, unmute my my thing to minimize the outside noise. But, yeah, I I think this team has way too much talent, way too many pieces uh, of guys that I trust. I I, Even still, I trust C.J. Frederick and Antonio Reeves to hit the big shot. I I know that their cold streak is not going to last together forever i mean i just they're they're too talented and and have 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 too much equity built up uh with where they came from you know what they've done and 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 just the spots they've been in in the past you know i trust that to win out at the end of the day and that talent to win out so you know i I think it could be as simple as them just making i mean they they drew up that beautiful play to cj frederick in the in the left corner uh he he airballed it what kind of what does that do for your confidence the rest of the game how does that make you adjust uh, and, and, you know, try to overcompensate or undercompensate, you know, however, it, you, as a shooter, you adjust. He's not going to go one for nine forever. Uh, and I don't think Antonio Reeves is going to go four for 13 forever. So uh, I, I think that could be a simple fix as well. And I, I do think that Casey Wallace uh, kind of taking things over the way he did. I think that's a, a, an easy fix as well. And, and talking about CJ, and I know we're seeing here mentioning that he shot an air ball and stuff off a, off an open look, but I still feel like you run stuff to get him looks. Even if he's not the result of what comes from the play that you're running, it just when you have a shooter like that that you can run off some stuff, it puts defenses in a bind having to defend it. They they stretch themselves out. Maybe you have a miscommunication. It's much better than what Kentucky does, just dribbling and dribbling and dribbling. And then there's 12 seconds on the shot clock, and they spread the floor and go into a high ball screen. Like that has been to me. That was a lot of Kentucky's offense. I think that this is a team that at its best, and I think this is what happened in the second half, they got down, they had to pick up the pace, they had to play quicker, and I think that's why they played better. This is a team that needs to run and run and run, and then in return, that gets these shooters open looks because Oscar Sheba is going to be running to the rim as hard as he can, and these two guards are going to be able to get downhill and get in the paint. This doesn't need to be a team, and we know that John Calipari is going to want to grind out wins, but grind them out when you have to grind them out. Grinding it out in the first half and slowing the pace, run the floor. Run, 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 run. I think that's the thing that I want to see be different 
moving forward is I think the the pace of play. And I think that's why they had a better second half. You couldn't just sit and walk it. You couldn't just run 20 seconds off the shot clock to get into what you wanted. You had to play with some speed. And Kentucky looked better. They the, the decisions, they were making natural decisions. They weren't overthinking things. You had guys taking shots. Play fast. Play fast, stay fast. That's That's my thing with this team. And this is coming from a guy, Cal, who his go-to is go. Like, I mean, that's that's his main coaching spiel is go, 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 go. So it's kind of interesting how we're even in this position where we have to talk about, you know, slugging things out and the rock fights and things like that. This this team's just not built to be a rock fight team. I mean, you have guys, you have shooters, you have pace setters, you have, you have pace setters in Cyber Wheeler and Cason Wallace. You have shooters on the outside on both, both wings. You have Jacob Toppin who, you know, he is who he is, and I, I think uh, I agree with some of the national takes about it being fool, fool's gold and what he did uh, with his long twos and, and, you know, just kind of the confidence he built up. You need to get him going, but I don't think that's how you get him going. Um, and then you obviously have Oscar. This is a team that, that is a run-and-gun type, type of team. We saw it early. You know, even when, when Oscar was out, this team was a run-and-gun team and, and, you know, put up 111 points and things like that. That's what this team needs to be. And it just, it's confusing why he's reverting back as soon as Oscar comes in into, you know, making this a rock fight team. Yeah, and, and I think that's the thing that stands out to me, too, when we're, we're talking if, if Oscar is behind on some things with plays and, and whatever they're running with sets or timing's off, like – then why not just do the thing that you just do? You just run. Like, why are we trying to set and and do this stuff? Just play with pace and, and get out and, you know, turn teams over, be more engaged defensively, create some turnovers, get out and run and transition and just play with a pace. And I, I think that if they do that, I think they'll have a lot more success, especially offensively. I think the shot attempts per game will go up. Points per game will go up, and in Kentucky, when it comes down to it late in games, you need to grind things out in situations, then grind it out. But start by playing fast. And, yeah, like Cal says, you know, the the energy and stuff there with not hitting shots, but as a coach, you got to communicate that message to your team, especially a veteran team, that if you're missing shots, you still got to defend. If you're missing shots, you still got to rebound. And we know that the rebounding numbers were were off because, one, Gonzaga wasn't missing and Kentucky wasn't hitting. So there were plenty of rebounding opportunities for Gonzaga and, you know, not many for Kentucky. So it was the perfect storm early. I thought that that was the one thing that going into that game, I was like, if Gonzaga punches first, Kentucky's going to have to punch probably two or three times to climb all the way back. And Kentucky had one punch. And it just and Gonzaga had another punch in them, and that's an elite team in its environment that it's in, that it's comfortable with, and that that's just how it played out. It's a November basketball game that had a lot of significance when it comes to resume building, but it doesn't define your season. Neither one of these two losses do. There's plenty of opportunities in the SEC, and it's still on the schedule to to get back to where you want to go, but they better be more prepared the next time. They have a game with Michigan or a game with UCLA on a neutral floor or Kansas coming to Rupp Arena in January, the SEC slate. You, you can't have weeks like this, and especially with veteran clubs. Like, uh, if it is lack of practice time, they've got a couple of weeks here. You want to see them get some wins, but when they come up against Michigan there in early December, you want to see a team that's ready to play. I think it's now put pressure on Kentucky to, to go undefeated in, in December. You know, you obviously the rest of November, uh, North, North Florida. Yeah. 
North Florida and Bellarmine are obviously must wins, but I think the entire month of December, Michigan, Yale, UCLA, Florida, A&M, uh, Missouri, Louisville, I, I think you got to get all five of those, uh, six, six of those. So uh, they have put the pressure on themselves now, and it's unfortunate because you would like to kind of create a little cushion and, you know, be able to go out to, you know, Michigan, you know, go out to London and lose that game or, uh, you, you know, slip up again, you know, start SEC play or whatever, you know, that UCLA game in New York. That, that's where Kentucky has struggled a lot. That, cha- that uh, CBS Sports Classic, uh, you know, that, you know, right around the holidays, we've seen Kentucky throw clunkers in the past. Well, now they can't. Now they, you know, they've already thrown their two clunkers early on. Uh, and now, it, you know, the, the, the uh, margin for error is unbelievably small. And you kind of have to get to January where you get, you know, LSU and Alabama and those, those uh, schools. Uh, that's where you can start slipping up again because I think it has to be a perfect slate all the way through the new year. Yeah, you you've got a your resume is from November to March for a reason. Like you weight these games the same whether it's played on November first or it's played on March first. You do like if like if this game had been played in March, it still has the same meaning as it did in November to me. Like I mean, there's no changing it, right? It's a quad one. A quad one's a quad one, but. Kentucky has some work to do. It has plenty of schedule in front of it. But you don't want to be a team that gets into SEC play trying to build a resume in your conference. You don't. Because the grind of SEC play is what it is. You're going to lose some games. You're going to win some games. You want to have something that resembles a resume out of conference. And last year it was winning some games there in late December, getting the road win at Kansas. You want to see that again, win some games, get the home win against Kansas in January, be ready for that one, and then win some of these other games in December. Get a win against UCLA on a neutral site, get a win against Michigan on a neutral floor, and then take care of business in your league. And this is a team that could look up and have double-digit quad one wins and still be in contention for a one seed. But you just can't waste opportunities when they are before you. And Kentucky really wasted two this week. If if they'd left this week one and one, I think I'd feel significantly different. If they had just been even, I guess, more competitive Sunday night, I would have walked away feeling a lot better. But that that was a team that looked like they didn't belong for most of that game. And I thought that was concerning. Or I, I guess a team that wasn't prepared. Not that they didn't have the talent to belong. It just they weren't prepared to be in that environment to play. And I think that's concerning because this is a team with the, the veterans that they have should have been – the energy should have been at the highest level it had been all season. And I guess now we are where we are, and the schedule is what it is, but you have North Florida coming up tomorrow in Bellarmine. How do you get the bad taste out of your mouth going into those two games? How do you look at this schedule and, and you know figure out a way to kind of make up for what this last week? You're not going to make up for it, but to kind of get, get those good vibes back with the program and make – uh, you know, get the, the warm, fuzzy feeling we were feeling a month ago back to the fan base. You play well from start to end. You you don't struggle. I think that's the thing that I'm looking for tomorrow is don't come out and this be a game that's a two or three possession game at the half or late in the first half. You come out, you hit shots, you have high energy, and you leave no doubt. And you have guys that look better. You you have guys that that play better. Your your defense is better. Your rebounding is better. Like I just think it's a collective effort tomorrow, and then Bellarmine next week. You want to see two wins where you don't 
it's not a slugfest or it's not where you struggle for 15 to 20 minutes. You want to see crisp basketball because by the time they get to early December, they better be playing. They better be playing good basketball because uh, they've got some resume building to do. So I think that that's what I'm looking for tomorrow is to come out start to finish, play with a lot of energy and have no letdowns for 40 minutes. And there goes Jack again. I think this one might be a connection issue. Um, so North Florida tomorrow, Bellarmine next week, North Florida tomorrow at 4 p.m. You see that on the screen now. Kentucky back at Rupp Arena for an out-of-conference game. And I think Jack's trying to join again. Having some connection issues now. You got us, Jack. Am I here? Yes, you are. Can you hear me? Hmm. Jack just needs to get back to Kentucky. I just need to get it back to Kentucky. Let, let's wrap up. We talked about this awful game enough. Let's uh, uh, get back to Kentucky and let's get the signal back where it needs to be. Uh, Sean, where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. And Jack is out again. I don't know exactly what Jack says word for word, but you can follow him on Twitter at JackPilgrimKSR. Uh, you can reach him at email, and I don't even know his email address. So I think he said it a million times, so surely you can go back in another episode. But we'll be back next time with another jam-packed episode of Sources Say. We will see you then.